good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Main Monday Main Point. It is Monday, May 3rd, 2021, here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. I'm Associate Pastor Jonathan Hendrickson, and I am joined this morning uh, by our, our pastoral staff, Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flinch, and our children's pastor, and our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. Um, we are gathered here today uh, to talk about um, our Sunday message, which is what we always do on Monday Main Point. We just kind of take a look back, a little bit deeper dive into the message. Uh, not always a deeper dive, sometimes just a way of practically fleshing out some of this. And, and so uh, this, is, um, uh, this is what we're going to do this morning. We are glad you've kind of joined us on this ride together. We're talking this morning about yesterday's message. And the title of that message was, Let Us Come Boldly. Um, that comes from the scripture passage in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4.16. Um, and I'll just read the New King James Version of this because I have it in front of me. But it's, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right, so... Um, the the actually the whole of the message really focused mostly on digging deep into uh, each part of this particular verse in, in Hebrews um, and you know this idea of coming boldly to the throne of grace. I want to start with um, the 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 question I kind of was raised yesterday. Well, not question, but just a, a, a sort of a very practical thought that I had. Which is that we don't, you know, the, the author of Hebrews is telling us to come, right? To, 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 to uh, and it's almost like it's a command or it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's impelling people to come. And to come where? Well, to come to this throne of grace. And so to come in prayer, to come in, to come in the presence of, of Jesus Christ, to come to him. And I'm just looking at this from a Christian perspective right now. Let's, let's talk just as, as fellow Christians. Um, we have this verse and many others that tell us that in our time of need, we should come. And yet, so often, it's our last resort. Mm. It's our very last resort. It's the last place we go to. Why do you think that is? Why is it that, that we put off coming to the throne of grace in our time of need? I mean, is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it, is it a sense of... Uh, well, I, I need to do handle this on my own. What is it that keeps us from boldly coming to that throne of grace? I think for me personally, a lot of times it's the fact that I want to fix it myself. And I personally, just on a just on a personal level, I I I try to not get other people to help me if I don't have to ask because I don't want to feel like I have to be like a burden to anybody mm -hmm. or anything. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we can. Uh, we can take that mindset and almost n not want to be a burden to God when, like, we're not a burden to God. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. We think that, like, oh, I don't want to bother God. He's got all these other things going on. You know, he's got he's got people dying over in India that he's right. got to take care of. And we might not children in Africa. Yeah, and, and we might not say <laughs> that, but that's how we act. Okay, you know. So I think I think you're right. I think that there yeah. are some who 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 neglect to go to God for that very reason. Right. Why else? Well, <clears throat> I think some people maybe even uh, praying 
in their mind may be like a form of weakness or something like mm. I should be able to take care of this myself I should be able to mm. or if I can't figure it out with my friends sort of blue collar mentality yeah right? just like you know uh, God helps those who help themselves so now the why do I need to go pray for him because he's, he's already given me that that quote that's not in the Bible. I was going to say, think, <laughs> you know, that, but that's that's a that's a um, mindset people have. That I don't need to go to God and bother Him. You know, I can take care of this myself. Uh, or maybe um, you know, it could be any number of reasons. You know, sin in your life, or you know, prayer is not something you're ongoing doing on a daily basis or, or part of your routine routine anyway mm-hmm. um, or it's like you're mad at God like you're mad at your wife you haven't talked to her in a week it's like okay I gotta go talk to her now so it's like any number of things that could be there that people go through their mindset about approaching because I think too in their mind they're thinking they're approaching God um, either as that Santa Claus God or as that zapping God Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of the, yeah. hey, I'm your friend too, and you went to your friend and said, hey, man, I need a job. Can you help me? If you know anybody that's hiring right now, why didn't you just come to me? Like, you know, right. I'm the owner of the Count of a Thousand Hills kind of thing. Right. You need a job, talk to me too. Yeah. You know, I want to be part of the conversation, part of what's going on in your life. So, so in some ways with that, it's almost like a lack of trust, right? Well, I, I know you're God, but I don't think you can handle this. Or this you might give me the wrong, the wrong job, you know. Right. You it's might, like the whole thing about people struggling with a call. I want to go to, uh, I want to follow God, but I don't want to be a missionary to Africa. Right. You know, and somehow or another, it's, it's, I'm going to get the wrong answer or the thing I really don't want. Yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, it was it, uh, uh, it's Dr. Aiken, I think, that says something along the lines of we shouldn't be praying, should I go, but why shouldn't I go, yes. right? And, yeah. uh, the, but Lord, why should I stay? Yeah, why should I stay? Yeah. Um, and, and you're, but you're right, you're right. I, I think I think there's some of that. Do you think, John, uh, do you think some of it is like, um, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having a difficult time. I can flesh and blood see you, or I can talk to you on a phone or on, and I, like, I actually have direct access, like, I feel like I have direct access to you, and I, you know, whereas with God, I'm just sort of talking, and, and I can't see him, I can't, I can't, I can't hear him audibly talk back to me, so it's more comforting to me to, to speak to somebody else who's like me, is that, I mean, is that it? You think that could be at play? Yeah, I think if I summarized basically everything you guys just said, it would be to say that people don't go, don't approach God because of misconceptions about who God is. Mm, that's a good. That's a good word. Yeah, um, I, like, I like that. Yeah. And misconceptions about who His character is. So, like Jeff mentioned, the the zapping God. I don't want to go to God because he he's going to find out my sin, which is funny because if you look at verse thirteen. It says that everything is exposed. There's nothing uh, a part of of God's uh, knowledge uh, of, of who you are. So He knows everything you want before you approach and all that stuff. So, and to answer your specific question about like flesh and blood, I think in general as Christians, far too often we live as what I call practical atheists. We're not atheists, but in practice, mm-hmm. it's so much easier for us to just live as though God didn't exist and it rests on my shoulders than it is to rest on God because of misconceptions whether it be we don't want to burden God or because of my sin God won't help me or God's going to zap me if I ask the wrong way or the wrong thing I think I think there's a lot to what you just said with the practical atheist thing 
I think there's a lot of people, you're right, that are not atheists, that come to even come to church on Sunday morning and worship God, but the rest of the week, it's like, okay, well, we'll just act like he doesn't exist, and it's easier to, and, and, and I guess maybe to some degree, it's, it, it seems as though it's an easier way to live, because then that's the way everybody else around you is living, you know, um, now I'm not gonna pray over. I'm gonna I'm not gonna stop and pray over my meal at, at at lunch in front of my coworkers because they're not praying, you know. So it's kind of weird for me to to talk to a God that they don't they don't feel comfortable around. I'm not gonna talk about God around my coworkers because they don't believe in God. I don't read my Bible in front. You know, you get what I'm saying. Not just in coworkers, but yeah. other 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 friends or circle of friends. No, we live in this sort of uh, we live in this tension between. A culture that largely doesn't, maybe doesn't believe. I, I don't know, or if they do, they don't practice it, right? And and this and and this culture of faith in 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 um, those things that we can't necessarily see and feel and all those kinds. And I think we live somewhere in that tension between. And and I think you're right. So so often it's easier to go to one side towards the culture that we live in than it is to go to the other. And and the thing too, like. Uh... You know, with the whole thing with the pandemic, you know, I started off the message in the introduction about how searching for prayer, like, just, like, 50% higher the very next month. Right, right. And so a lot of times people only go to God when they're in a panic, desperate, I can't, this is bigger than me. Sure. I can't fix it kind of situation, uh, which all along, God wants us to come to him like we're having a conversation here. He wants us to have a daily weekly sometimes even minute to minute conversation with him throughout our day in our life and um and so it's hard for people that don't have that ongoing relationship to get there yeah because because whatever's blocking them from thinking that that if i go to god and you know my life's messed up and i know it's messed up and mm-hmm. so i'm telling god hey god my life's messed up mm-hmm. that he's not going to like me for some reason or, or another Right. Whereas if I go to my friends and tell them the same thing, my friends may reject me and say, hey, something's going on with them. Just stay away from them because they're messed up. Right. Well, yeah, so we're messed up. So we might as well just go to God and say, hey, God, we're messed up. And help mm-hmm. me in my mess not to be too big of a mess. Right. So, well, of course, that, inv- <laughs> that, 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 that involves me just admitting that I am a mess to begin with. Well, that's part of you know, confessing your sin and your failures and sure. shortcomings and all that. But then having enough grace to say, okay, well, I can get up tomorrow and still serve God and still try. And then when I do fail again, he's not going to beat me up about it. So. Right, right. I mean, we have enough trouble sometimes admitting that we have a mess in our lives, period. And, 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 and how, how are we even going to feel the need to go to anyone if we don't admit that we have a mess to begin with. Like, yeah. uh, no, that's not, you know, we live in a I'm fine culture. No, no, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Well, you Everything's know, good. We you all know. wear a mask, not like the protection from the virus mask, but we all put a mask on. Sure. And unfortunately for Christians, a lot of times we do that too. We compartmentalize our world and we act one way at church and then we act another way around our friends and family many times. And... Uh, the faith aspect is kind of shallow. Right. And maybe that may be part of the thing, too. You know, people feel like, you know, I'm not a super Christian and I'm not a super saint, so I really can't pray. I, I want to go to the pastor and have them pray for me because I really want my prayer to be answered. Well, yeah, and, and, and there, there, there does seem to be this idea, right, that, 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 
that, that okay, well, I'm gonna go to the pastor because he's got he's got more access to God, right? Yeah, he's yeah. like like I I can't get there, but you can get there, and so it's really important, pastor, that you pray for me because you have some sort of VIP card that lets you into the throne room that I don't have, and they totally miss it. And you're right, Jeremiah. It goes back to the misconception of who God is. But it's also a misconception of, of who you are in Christ, especially if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you have just as much access as to any of the four of us do. That's right. Um, you know, and probably more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I, okay. I think I, honestly, if we're really honest about, it, I think some of that comes. Um, some of it comes from this notion that, that people just put pastors on pedestals. What do you think? Some of it might actually come from that sort of Roman Catholic idea that you have to have an intercessor. Mm-hmm to 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 intercess for you that you're not you can't uh you you can't access god uh on your own that you have to have somebody who's got again vip access so that's why so many people man every year flock to the vatican flock to the pope because um pray to saints pray to mary yeah right because my prayers aren't effective um not because of not because of like it's because I'm I'm defect. It's it's because I don't have this special title, right? I don't have this special thing. I'm I'm missing that. And I guess we think of that we think of it that way too in terms of just human access. Like I can't if I want to go and have a conversation with the president, I can't just drive up to the White House, jump out my door, knock on the White House door, and go, "Hey, I'm here to see Biden, Joe." You know, uh, <laughs> and there, you know you have to have certain credentials to get there so if, if if it's that way in in our human affairs then it stands the reason people would see god in the same way um, but it's just not that way and this verse tells us that right right in fact this verse does something else that i think is interesting because it doesn't just say let us come but let us come boldly like and i like the fact i actually like the fact this week that you that you spent some time on this word boldly and what it can mean um it's amazing because until I actually deep, dug deep in and looked at all the meanings of it, I had this mind like you know you think of Superman coming boldly, okay, like Superman, you, like kicking you know, the like, doors of the throne yeah, room. I'm here, God, let's go, <laughs> kind of thing. And it's not; it doesn't mean that. I mean, it's like you're just like, okay, here it is, God. I mean, I don't know what else to say, but I, you know, blah 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 blah. Just spit it out. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting you say the whole Superman thing because I think when, when we were watching that um, the film uh, American Gospel, we were talking mm-hmm. about this. I think on the flip side, when we were talking about guys who don't go to God ever, then you have on the flip side these guys who claim that to come boldly means that you come in and you tell God what yeah. you want, and He has to do it. Like they you didn't claim it because because you're 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 speaking the name of Jesus Christ. He has to he has to answer your prayer. Like you have some sort of godly authority. You know, you should come boldly, son. You know, and 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 I, um, I don't think that's what that means at all here, Jeremiah. Um, what, what when you hear "come boldly," what do you what do you take? Yeah, I think we have a tendency as humans to overemphasize the human part of every text. I mean, every text is like, well, it's let natural. me let me figure out what the human is supposed to do. Sure. And the human here is told to come boldly, and so then we get misconceptions about. You can come in pridefully and boldly, um, and we just put too much emphasis on the status of the the individual. And so, 
because uh, not just with boldness, sometimes individuals don't want to come because of their sin. They're mm-hmm. scared to, to approach because of their sin. Or there's the individual who comes with way too much pride and, and boldness, like God's going to answer my prayer because me and him are tight. We're so close. And then the emphasis becomes uh, like, I need to give my life right so that I can approach the throne boldly. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, I would just say the passage is more about the character and the characteristics of God than it is the the approach of the human at his throne. Yeah. So, so when it talks about grace and mercy, it's not talking about uh, any status that the human has or the, the, the approach that the human comes with, but it's talking about God's character. He's a, he's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. He's a God of grace. Mm. And so that because, because of his character, we can approach boldly. And then, of course, Jeff spent a good amount of time talking about boldly doesn't necessarily mean come prideful, come busting in like Superman. But more so means that you can spill it all out there. You can give, you you can you can approach God with everything. Just go ahead and lay it out before Him because of what Jesus did for us. Yeah. Right, He gives us that access. Yeah, yeah, because I think that there's lots of times like where people come to the throne room and they're like, "Well, I've got these sins, but I don't want to bring those up to God because, like, you know, um, He might hold that against me or." But I'll talk to him about this stuff, but I'm not going to talk to him about this stuff over here, right? Because um, I don't want to lay that out on the line, right? We're, we're, we're going to keep that back to it. Kind of keep that to the chest, right? And, 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 and this verse seems to say that, no, you just need to be open and honest with God. You know? Right, yeah, and just be honest with God. Like, he's not going to, like, zap you dead. Like, I use the Mike Tyson analogy a lot. Like, a lot of times we don't come boldly, or we only come partially to God because we feel like he's ready to deliver like a knockout punch. No, mm-hmm. he loves us. And he loves you enough to, like, yeah, he'll meet you to where you're at, even if you are in sin, but he loves you enough to lo- to not let you stay there. Yeah. And... That's why we can boldly come because and have confidence not in us but what Christ has done for us and know that we're dealing with a good God. And when we do that, we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. But the yeah. only way to taste and see that is to be 100% open and honest. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think Jeff, too, when I think, when I think, when I read this verse and I think of coming boldly to the throne of grace, I think, I think of, well, part of it, honestly, part part of it, part of it, I keep hearing, you know, the Gene Roddenberry stuff, right? Like where no, you boldly go where no man has gone before. <laughs> you know? but, but part of the reason why well, that's probably that's probably what's in our mindset when we think about coming boldly. We that's running in our right. our little subconscious. So, thing. but but on on the flip side, what they mean when they're saying that is we're going to confidently go out there yes. and trust that that we're going to go discover this, this journey. New, we're this on. journey, right? And so I think there is a sense of okay, I can. When, when it tells me to come boldly, it tells me to come confidently, trusting in the one who's made the way for, for me to come, right? Amen. And, and so, so my boldness doesn't necessarily come from, from some bold, I, I'm brave or bold because of what I have, but because of what has been done for me to, to do this. I'll ask a question uh, to you, Jeff. <laughs> this is another question that actually came up yesterday that I forgot about. I, again, I know my answer to this, and it's a very practical one. So, um, 
when we talk about coming boldly to the throne of grace as Christians, mm-hmm. uh, is it is it the case that we need to um, we need to confess our we it's necessary for us to confess our sins and find forgiveness for our sins that we've committed uh, before we ask for our request, or or is it or is it the case that that we can ask even though there's sin in our lives that we've not confessed? Probably both. I mean, it's like uh, your children. Let's say your kid did something wrong. Mm-hmm. But she wants to borrow the car and go to a movie, but she's never confessed that she, you know, broke something mm-hmm. and blamed it on hope or whatever. Let's let's use the autumn as the right. culprit here. So she's yeah, she's not in the room, so it's okay. And so you're like, okay, <laughs> she comes to you, and you know, I mean, you know that she's done this, <clears throat> and she wants to borrow the car, and you're like, okay. Now you could say, well, you know, what about? that thing that got broke that you yeah. on hope are you going to confess that because you know right. so so you may hold back giving her the car but you still have that relationship with her or let's say she comes defiantly and she doesn't confess mm-hmm. and still like I, you, I get blamed for everything and you're not going to let me go and you know so so it's kind of like the same way with God you know yeah. the best thing is just go to him whatever's on your heart and then while you're there you're, as, because the prayer thing is a lot of times we think it's just us talking, which is a good huge part of it. But a lot of it's us listening too. Yeah. And then once we kind of let it out, and then we start listening to God and trying to discern His Spirit, He may say, "Okay, well, you probably need to you need to confess some of this stuff that's been going on in your life." You mm-hmm. know? And you go, "Oh yeah, that's right. I need to do that too." Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both. And I think it's your heart. Your what's on your heart. Uh, because this communication, I mean, prayer, I mean, the actual word prayer is never mentioned here. Mm-hmm. But the the words they use is actually speaking and, you know, being open and honest. So right. It is prayer. And that prayer is communication, which communication can be one way or two way. And God wants it to be two way. Yeah. And so that's why it's important too, to approach it with an open Bible and let God's word speak to your heart as well. And then also other people can can help help you in your uh, processing your your life and where you're at, because we do want to approach God boldly, and we do want to approach God honestly, and we do want to approach God um, in forgiveness and in our fellowship restored. Right. Uh, <clears throat> we won't lose our relationship, but but there are times in our life that that uh, maybe the first thing we need to do is confess. Yeah. But other times it may be that that comes later on. Yeah, I, I, the, the 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 example I used was very similar to what you just said. Except I, I said, you know, imagine if, if, if you and I had been in a big argument. I was talking to my daughter, right? Mm. And I said, what if, what if we got into a big, big argument with each other, a big fight? And uh, so you're angry at me. I'm not happy with you. And then you came to me and asked for something that you wanted. Um, it would feel a little weird for you to do that. Like, it would be, you know especially knowing that we have a good relationship you know would you would you feel comfortable just coming to me after we just had this big argument and we're think we're not on good terms with each other right now and you would just come in and just ask me for for like you know fifty dollars or whatever that you could have to go buy this thing you wanted well no you would want to address the, the elephant in the room mm-hmm. you'd want to do that first but let's but, say but you did but let's time, say you but yeah. let's say you didn't 
I might still, just because I love you, go ahead and give you the thing that you want and 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 hopes that that eventually you will kind of come come back around and um, let's talk about our relationship here you know um, but the thing that I was trying to you know point out is do you have to well no but why wouldn't you yeah right so uh, I decided to pull up Jesus's prayer uh-huh he actually prays for bread before he prays for the forgiveness of sins yeah he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Right, yeah, so yeah. So the need is being met, which I was going to throw that instead of, well, if she came and asked you for something she actually needed. Oh, like yeah. school. Right. But you're still going to say, oh, yeah, you need this. I'm going to give it to you. Right. Because you need it. But we still have this, uh, we still got to work this problem out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we also believe that Jesus forgives the sin, Specific sins that we actually never ask for forgiveness yes. for. Right. Uh, we believe Jesus covers all of yes. our sins. Right. Yes. Whether we said the magic words in a prayer yes. or not. Right. So right. Jesus has already dealt with your sin, although I do find in my personal prayer life that the sin conversation is dominated when I pray for myself. Right. Um, maybe that's just because I don't have to ask for very many things that often, like material things. Right. And so I'm. I'm more focused on like relationships and how I could have done better and mm-hmm. those types of things. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I think it could be either, either or, or mm-hmm. maybe even you might forget to pray for uh, forgiveness of sins. So I, like, we don't want it to become like I've got to do one, two, mm-hmm. three, and then God will will grant me. That's right. That's, yeah. that's sorcery. That's magic, right? Like say these <laughs> words, throw this in the pot. Like that's not how Christianity works, right? right? You don't have to. If you mess up the incantation or whatever, it's still God still. Well, I think there's people who think that about the salvation prayer. By the way, like you got to say the exact words. If you don't say the words in the right order, yeah. then you know you've you've not done you've not done the you've not done the deed, right? right. But but you're right. That's sorcery. God God's far less in my in my opinion. God's far less interested in in your your words and the words you choose to use and way more interested in your heart and where your heart is and what you're what you desire you know what you truly right because even you know i talked about that word circumlocation yeah you don't use a bunch of just words you just get to the point right so yeah that's hard for me um (laughs) (laughs) those of you who are regular listeners are Attenders of ROS. Yeah, and the thing, too, is, is Jesus, you know, <laughs> Jesus is the high priest now. He is the high priest. Right. And, was, and he is the sacrifice. He's both. And the mercy seat is the throne of grace. Yeah. And so that's our access. And we don't need, you know, other uh, offerings, other things. We don't. I saw a bumper sticker the other day, like, America needs help. Pray the rosary, you know. Praying the rosary is not going to help America. Right. You know, uh, praying to God and praying to Jesus for your own life to get to get where it needs to be will help America. Yeah. Will help everybody. Yeah. You know, you know I, we're using this we're using this verse in Hebrews four sixteen to 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 talk about so far to talk large in large part about how we uh, as Christians should approach Him boldly because. Because he's 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 done the work for us, right? And he's he has rescued us. But really, I think that this verse four sixteen 
is really at its heart about the gospel more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when we talk about grace and mercy, that's really where it's at. And you just said it. Well, the reason why we can we can go to him, uh, we can come boldly and confidently, is because of the work that he has done as our high priest. And we do have access to him. Ephesians 3.12, you quoted that yesterday as two, Jeff, and uh, just the, the NLT version. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, when Jesus died on the cross, that's why the temple veil was torn. Like, you no longer had to, like, go through somebody to get to God. You can you have that direct access because of what Christ did on the cross. Right, and, it, it, and you mentioned this in, in, in the sermon yesterday, but um, the thing that stands out to me any time I read the book of Hebrews is, uh, and it's kind of in large part because I'm a philosopher, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but is this notion of, um, yeah, you know, this world of of um, shadows mm-hmm. um, and the world of actual realities. And so, what the Bible says is that the temple and temple worship and all the things that we see in the Old Testament, these sacrifices that were, they were shadows of the actual reality that was to come. Yes. And if you know anything about like Platonic philosophy, which most of you probably don't, and that's that's okay, because that's my that's my bag, right? But if you know anything about it at all, it's it's interesting because the shadow things are things that are temporal, are imperfect, they're um, they're they're uh, they're 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 uh, incomplete. Um, and, and and often are just things and they're they're uh, in some ways imitation imitations right yeah, yeah. of b- the realities are things that are abiding eternal mm-hmm. perfect complete and so Jesus when we talk about Jesus as our high priest we're not talking about Jesus even though he came in flesh and blood. We're not talking about a high priest who's in that shadow category. Right. Rather, he is the reality that all those shadows were pointing yes. to originally. You know. Yeah, and priest, uh, and it's okay to think this way for now. Uh, when you think of priest in the Bible and in Roman Catholicism, the priest serves as the mediator. Right. right? He's mm-hmm. the go-between between God and man. So when we say that Jesus is our high priest, we're saying that he's, he, he is literally our mediator. He's our advocate, our go-between uh, between God and man. And so uh, we no longer need human priests, human mm-hmm. advocates. There's, there's no, like your pastor doesn't need to be your human advocate. Right. Jesus is our perfect, great, and high priest. And the cool thing about Jesus being our great high priest comes in, uh, uh, what verse is that? Verse 15. Mm-hmm. We have a high priest that, sympathizes with us who who experienced life just like we did who experienced right. temptation just like we did uh, yet he he did all of that without sinning so he he's able to grant us access to God's presence yeah and something that just came to mind when it comes to like practicality um, if you ever go inside like a Roman Catholic church the communion table is behind the priest mm-hmm. or like the pulpit wherever that's at because in their view you have to go to the priest in order to get to God right and Protestant uh, religion like Southern Baptist our communion table is where like in front of Pastor Jeff because we don't believe we have to go to Pastor Jeff in order to get to God 
Mm. And so, that's just so symbolically. Yeah, symbolically, just, that's yeah. just something that came to mind. So the the I want to go back to something you just said though, Jeremiah, because I think it's I think it's worth dwelling on when we talk about Jesus as high priest, and that's the fact that um, we don't have a uh, a mere sympathetic savior, mm. but we have an empathetic savior, mm. and and there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Um, uh, I am, I am not a golfer, right? And Jeff is Jeff. Jeff is a big golfer. He golfs. That's debatable too. <laughs> I can't. I, I I just I can't do it. I'm not very good at it at all. And so Jeff can talk to me about like how he did on the course, and you know I struggled here and my swing wasn't so and so, and I can be sympathetic to that. I'm not very empathetic to that because I, I don't experience that on a regular basis, right? Or maybe even more so, I can be sympathetic to my wife about you know uh, when when she was pregnant with our kids, but I can't be empathetic because I can't be pregnant, right? I mean, there's that, there's there's that. Unless you pass that kidney stone. <laughs> but even then, <laughs> all right, ladies, he did not mean that. Um, so, but um, but even then, even then, uh, what I, what I love about this verse is that it tells us that Jesus doesn't just have sympathy for us as humans. Mm-hmm. He has empathy because mm-hmm. he experienced everything it was to be human, Jeff. Yeah. And, you know, that's the, uh, and, and the verses leading up to that describes the old priesthood. Uh, you know, they went once a year. Yeah. They brought right. the sacrifice for sin for the people and themselves mm-hmm. because they were sinners. Um, and then that priest would die and then another priest would take their place. And so when Christ comes, it's a once-for-all sacrifice. Right. Um, he, he died, but he came back to life, so he lives forever. So he's the only one. He's the Son of God. Um, and so, so uh, he's eternal. So you don't need, he, he's not going to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and because his sacrifice on the mercy seat, was his own shed blood. He's the priest and the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul, in the whole Hebrew 2 uh, book, was written to those Hebrews. You know, we talked about this in the uh, apostate sermon, mm-hmm. that, that were wanting to say, I'm no longer a Christian, mm-hmm. and they wanted to go back to Judaism. Right. And so now they're going back to this old shadow. Mm-hmm. That can't be adequate, right? And now, if they approach God, they're approaching a throne of judgment because this, they're bringing the sin to the mercy seat because of judgment and right. condemnation. Yeah. Whereas Christ brought it, and it becomes this throne of grace and yeah. of mercy, and mercy, as opposed to condemnation and judgment. So, Jeremiah, I'm just going to toss this to you. It's a, a question that we probably should talk about a little bit here because when we're talking about this throne of grace, it says we can go there. That we may two things obtain mercy right and find grace. Mm-hmm. Our mercy. Give me give me a quick theological rundown. What is the difference between mercy and grace? Are they the, are they one and the same thing? Are they two different things? How would you define mercy and grace? Yeah, uh, I think I I I could make a, a case that sometimes I think they are seen as synonymous in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Because sometimes it's like, man, I think the Bible meant mercy here instead of grace. But in general, I think the Bible talks about grace. I like to define grace first. Grace being, uh, if you want an acronym, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Mm -hmm. 
So God's gifts given to us uh, obtained by Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, that just means that grace is uh, when God gives you something you don't deserve. Right. That's grace. God granting you something you didn't earn. We talk about that in terms of salvation. Mm-hmm. You didn't earn it. It was a gift from God. Mm-hmm. So then what is mercy? Because that sounds like grace, right? right? When I say mercy, you're like, well, that's mercy. Well, mercy is kind of the opposite of grace. It's God not giving you right. something you do deserve. deserve. Yes. Right. Yeah. So in terms that's of salvation, um, we deserve death, hell, and the grave, but God has mercy on us and doesn't give us that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really... Yeah, when we talk about salvation, it's really both grace and mercy. He gives us, gives us salvation. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. And he grants us also mercy. Um, so like if you're, at, if you're in the courtroom, you've been determined guilty. Uh, the maximum penalty for, for uh, let's say, um, second count of theft or whatever, the maximum penalty is three years in prison. You know this. So what you've earned, what you deserve is three years in prison. For the judge to have mercy on you is to say, we're not going to give you what you've earned. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to. Or they could, it would even be an act of mercy to say, to say we're going to give you one year instead of three years. That's mm-hmm. an act of mercy. But for God, uh, it's completely wipe out, a complete pardon of your sin, and we consider that mercy. So that's grace and mercy. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I really do. All right, I'll ask the table this question, and I'm just going to toss it to just one. But when we talk about grace and mercy then, and we're saying that we can come boldly to this throne of grace because Jesus has made it possible for us to obtain mercy and grace, does that mean that God was not merciful or graceful? God the Father wasn't merciful or graceful before Jesus Christ, right? And that Jesus is the only way, like it took Jesus coming for us to obtain grace and mercy from God. Does that make sense? What I'm asking here, right? Yeah, no, he was definitely a he was definitely merciful and full of grace. Okay, it, it definitely like in the Old Testament, um, he took the Israelites out of slavery and allowed them to have their own land, and he chose themselves. He chose for himself a people, mm-hmm. and he chose Abraham to be a like a light to all nations. He chose them. He gave them grace. He gave them a like manna from heaven things they didn't really deserve he had grace on them mercy they're complaining and moaning and groaning about everything in the wilderness and the fact that people made it to the (laughs) made it to the promised land and god didn't strike them all dead was an act of mercy (laughs) okay because of their sin yeah yeah i think both of those are great examples so the the the, the follow-up question to that is then why jesus Hmm. If, if God was gracious and merciful before Jesus, why do we need Jesus then? Couldn't we have just gotten his grace and mercy, gone into the throne room and got grace and mercy apart from Jesus? Why, why, why do we need Jesus to do that if he was gracious and merciful in the Old Testament? Well, in the Old Testament, those are like temporary acts of grace and mercy, but there's still a need for redemption. They still need a Lord. They still need a Savior to come and rescue them from their sin. Like God showed them, uh, grace and mercy, but ultimately they still need to be rescued from their sin, and they had their faith in a coming Messiah who would do that. Jeff, you, you look like you're going to say something. No, I, I think I 
had too many philosophical discussions this morning. <laughs> Jay, you got something to add? <laughs> yeah, so this goes back to what I said at the beginning. I think a lot of people don't want to approach God because of misconceptions about who God mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, I think we could say stems from reading the Old Testament, but reading it wrongly. Mm-hmm. Um, because from the get-go, and you mentioned this example, uh, th- there's a, there's an example in, in the Bible where um, Moses goes up on the mountain, he gets the Ten Commandments, comes back down off the mountain, and the people of God have begun worshiping an idol. Mm-hmm. An idol which they're actually calling Yahweh. Right. But it's an idol. It's a golden calf. Yeah. Uh, and so when Moses comes down off the mountain, he gets upset uh, and he he breaks the stone tablets. Mm-hmm. And and then there's this uh, Moses goes back up on the mountain and there's this discourse between uh, God and Moses. And Moses says this to God. It's uh, Exodus thirty four verse six. Uh, actually, God says this about Himself. Mm-hmm. So I'll go back up to verse five. Verse uh, thirty, chapter thirty-four, verse five says, "The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow mm-hmm. to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin." Mm. And so, what we see is I think a lot of times when we think of God, or even in the Old Testament, we see a God who gets angry really fast and wants to smite a bunch of people. Right. Um, but what you actually see when you look at the whole Bible in its context, you see God being patient over and yes. over and over and over and over. And then at some point, sin must be punished. Mm-hmm. And so when I say that, that we have misconceptions about God, it's we send, we tend to overemphasize those moments mm-hmm. when God must punish sin. He, he he because of who He is, sin must be punished, mm-hmm. um, and so we emphasize those moments, but we forget about the times over and over and over where God is gracious and merciful and loving and patient. And I mean, it's he it's like God gets slapped in the face and gets slapped in the face and 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 he never reacts for 400 years mm-hmm. we're not talking about like moments or weeks or like he lets things go for a little while but it'll be like periods of 400 years and 200 years here and 100 years here where God is patient and loving and helping and sending prophets and of course Jesus is at work during all of this um, which would be my view but um, uh but he's just, he's so patient, he's loving. And so when we have that misconception and we try to approach the throne, uh, you don't approach with boldness because you think he's just going to get angry and, and smite you like we do. Mm-hmm. When someone slaps me in the face the first time, it's not good. Uh, the things that well up in me, even if it's my children whom I love, I can go from extreme love to extreme like frustration mm-hmm. in seconds, but it's not like that with God. Uh God never overreacts. Um, and I think sometimes we believe that God overreacts, but never. You won't find an example in Scripture where I believe God overreacted. So do you think that, that to, to go back to my question I was asking a minute ago, do you think that then, G, you said Jesus is at work in that, in that graciousness, even in, when we see grace and mercy being, being uh, exhibited uh, in, in the Old Testament, 
and, and, and in the, even in the passage you just mentioned about God speaking about himself. Yeah, to bring us back to Hebrews, the author of Hebrews actually helps us with this a lot. He says that those in the Old Testament were looking forward to, they, they, they were supposed to see that these were shadows and copies, that there was one who was to come, this Messiah who was to come, who would eradicate sin forever, and that their job was to place their trust in that. Mm-hmm. Um, or I like to say that they, they're, they're supposed to trust in the promises of God, which are all ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So they trust in God's promise. God promised he was going to eradicate sin, and he promised that all the way back in Genesis 3.15 from the very beginning. He promised, I'm going to send one who's going to make this right. And then over and over, he reminds them, there's one coming who's going to make this right. He's going to live forever. He's going to sit on the throne forever. He's going to make this right. And so their job, just like our job, was to believe in God's promises. And all of those promises were ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know his name. But they knew that there was one, the one, let's just call it the one, who was going to come to accomplish their salvation. They right. believed in that one. Right. We know that one. So then Jesus. God's ultimate, to get back to your original question, God's ultimate uh, act of mercy and grace was to send Jesus mm-hmm. to fulfill this whole this foreshadowing to fulfill all that, so that so that we can experience that ultimate forgiveness and the ultimate mercy and grace. So that's why you needed Jesus, because right. all these were inadequate and incomplete, mm-hmm. and that's what the whole point of Hebrews was trying right. to Right, yeah. and and and, and, and I, I would add to that too. I think it also takes um, it's why Jesus. It's why Jesus comes incarnate, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a human representative to take care of the human problem. Yes. Um, and so, uh, you know, God can be gracious and merciful, but if it's going to rescue us as 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 uh, as a as His special creation, right? It takes a human representative to fix the human problem. And so, I think that's one. That's another reason why we have to have. Uh, well, we have to have Jesus. Although I do think you're right, I think maybe Jesus is at work even even in, in those we we I don't know we compartmentalize God like we and this the God is of the Old Testament God of the New right Testament. or 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 you know and this is where some of those atheists come along and say well what will happen on the cross was divine child abuse right and 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 it's because it's because they see God the Father as a separate entity from God the Son and and see it as you know. Well, in order for in order to appease this bloodthirsty God the Father, Jesus Christ had to be abused on the cross, you know, in order for 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 his his bloodthirstiness to be appeased. That's not the way the Bible portrays it at all. And to compartmentalize God out that way is 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 part of the misconception. Well, one one last thing, your fellows, and we'll, we'll, we'll close shop. Um, and it's it's in this last part of the message that you did, and the last part of the verse too, which is that. We'll find grace to help us when we need it most, or in our time to help in time of need. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the things that you said yesterday is that we can we we can come boldly because we know we can be confident that He's going to meet our need. And in First John five fourteen, which you quoted yesterday too, Jeff um, says, and we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. NKJV says. Whenever, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Um, and so, does that? So, in my time of need, 
um, and, and I'm, I'm, I've often, I, I've often thought uh, when I'm praying, um, I'm all, I'm, there, there's a small part of me that's been, that's kind of concerned. What if I'm praying for something that's not in God's will, right? What if I'm, what if I'm asking for something that he doesn't want me to ask for? Um, how do I know that I'm actually praying in accordance to his will? Like, um, I have this need in my life, but, and I think it needs to be answered and, and met, um, but maybe he doesn't. And, 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 or maybe, and if he doesn't, then it probably doesn't need to be met. But do you get what I'm saying? I mean, there are times where, like, how do I know, or maybe not even how do I know, but like, is, is it wrong for me to pray for something that's outside of his will? Um, should should I expect him to answer requests that are outside of his will? Where where does his his will and, and, and my desires meet? I mean, because and I think that's very practical. I don't think that's the philosophical. I'm not asking understanding. I'm not asking a philosophical question here. This is more of like how do I pray? Right? That kind of that that kind of question. Well, I think you still need to be honest and pray. And I don't think there's a problem with praying for something that you might think that you want or need that may possibly be outside of God's will. You don't really know that, though, until the process works its way through. Yeah. And in hindsight, looking back, you realize, well, that really wasn't God's will. Or I'm glad he didn't answer that prayer. Or I still wish he would answer the prayer the way I wanted it. Um, so, again, I think that, that gets to the point of um, uh, trying to make God do something and I'm checking off the boxes and you should have done it as opposed to, okay, I'm not really sure if you're going to answer this prayer, but I want to put it out there anyway. And then in the process of doing that, he shores you up. He fraps you. was the nautical term there for help. He, mm-hmm. he, he gives you what you need, what you really, really need to get you through that journey to where you need to be. Yeah. And so you may need maturity in your life. And what you're asking for is going to make you super immature even more than you are now. And you don't get it, but you wind up being more mature anyway mm. because you didn't get what you really wanted. Yeah. So um, it's just trying to figure it. You know, it would be great if 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 there was like a timeline and God said, "Okay, here's your step one, step two. Here's your career path. This is your best life now. Whatever." Right. But it doesn't work that way. And so, in your daily struggle and your daily making your way through, you just have to trust that God is going to put you in a place where his will is going to be done ultimately. And that's really what you want done in your life anyway. You really want his will done ultimately. And I would say one reason you pray is to align yourself with the Lord's will. And and like Jeff said, you're going to have to let the process play out. But according to Scripture, there are some things we know is God's will for our life. And I'm reminded of 1 Thessalonians 4 where it says, um, Paul literally writes, this is... God's will for your life, and that's your sanctification. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you can ask yourself is, will this help in my sanctification? Will this help in my relationship with the Lord? And if so, then it's probably the Lord's will. You know. Um, now, if it's like, Lord, give me a girlfriend or give me a wife I want, and that might not be for your sanctification at that time, but sure. you can also pray Scripture too, and you know through Scripture you know what is the Lord's will. Like, it might not be the Lord's will for you to get married at this time, but if you've got a problem with a brother, Scripture's pretty clear that you need to go and address that. 
Mm-hmm. And if you're like, Lord, give me an opportunity to have that conversation with the brother, he's going to give you that opportunity to have that conversation because that's his will, and we know that through Scripture. Mm-hmm. So there are some general things that we can kind of go off of based on Scripture, like uh, your sanctification, uh, be anxious for nothing, rejoice always, things like that. I think you can at least have a – that can – sort of propel you to know what is God's will. Mm-hmm. You're not always going to know. Like like Jeff said, you got to let the process play out sometimes. But you can know through Scripture what ultimately is God's will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, like, I, I like that. I think, I, think, I think you're dead on there. I let's, think. Like, let's go back to Autumn. She gets her license. She needs basic transportation. Let's not talk about Autumn and license Look, right now. <laughs> so she needs basic transportation. She wants a Mustang. Right? And so right. y'all provide her with mom's used car, right? So she gets her, but she gets what she really needs—the basic transportation. Mm-hmm. But she may really want this Mustang. Then later on in life, she gets the money and she buys her own Mustang. She finally gets what she wants. But right. but coming to her father, what she really needed was that that basic uh, a ride, you know, to get from point A to point B that was dependable and all that. Yeah. So that's kind of the same way of I course. look at it in our life with God is that. You know, we have to kind of come to the point where what we need and what we want and try to determine, well, what's best. Yeah. What's best for for this me at this time. So, Jeremiah, if this really is about the, if this verse is about the gospel then, right, then how how does that work out in a time, in a time of need and, and uh, that, that is there in a time of need? That it's there, you know, and, and you know, we we can get whatever it is if it's in according to His will. He hears us, that sort of thing. How does that line up then with this passage? Yeah, if I'm being honest, the amount of things that we need, if you think about it, uh, especially when you think about eternity, not even temporal, mm-hmm. is one thing, and that's salvation. Yeah, right. We yes. need Jesus. Uh, so I think it's most practical for the gospel when in that time of need, like that time of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're asking, you know, uh, is it okay to pray outside of God's will? I think it's inevitable. <laughs> like I, I think, I think we're going to pray things that are outside of God's will. Yes. And if, for the Christian, it's your job to then trust that God will tell you no in those times. Mm-hmm. And be thankful that God tells you no in those times. Because I believe God's will is not against our will. I believe that God God wills things that are good for us because mm-hmm. he loves us. Um, so I, I think there's times when he tells me no, and I'm just going to trust that, that, that no was good for me. And then he should reveal over time why it was a no. Right. But also what Blake was talking about, there's another passage where it says uh, God does not will that any should perish. Right. So if we're talking about aligning ourselves with God's will, what God wants is that no person should perish. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like three more. Sanctification, uh, salvation, and there's like three more in the, the Bible. Where, is God's will. Well, sure, yeah. your purpose, your, your actual purpose. Um, I think God's purpose for your life and his will for your life might be a little different, but um, in general, we all should fall into God's purpose. Or we should follow God's purpose for our life, but yeah. So, so uh, unlike Garth Brooks, who says that some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what you there is some truth to that. I think I think I think what what we really should say is some of God's greatest gifts are no. prayers that He answered, but He answered no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like how well, many people have prayed for more money? Right. When the clear 
thing from scripture is like that the love of money is the is the root of all kinds of evil right, right. and so you could pray for money you might actually feel like you need money but god could god tells you no mm-hmm. because it's for your good right um you might actually be praying and i think i have i've prayed for things that would be bad for me Correct. you pray for a good job pray for i remember praying for girlfriends i know i shouldn't have had <laughs> Blake's raising his hand right now. (laughs) And at the time, I didn't want to be told no, but I'm I'm pretty thankful now that I was told no. Uh, Well, I think what we can walk away from is is God is a God of grace and mercy. That's right. Uh, And and he is available for us in our time of need. And I, for one, and I know you guys are as well, very thankful for the throne room of grace that we we experience on a day-to-day basis. It's been a good discussion today, fellas. Um, next week is Mother's Day. I'm I did, I'm gonna ask. You may not. Do you know where you're going with that yet? A lady named the Syrophoenician. the Syrophoenician woman. Okay, cool. Well, we'll be back here to talk about that next week. Then, thanks for tuning in this week. Have a great week ahead of you, and uh, we hope to see you soon. So long.